because I have the underlying condition, it's kind of a, a disease that lots of different and strange things can happen and have happened to me. So when I had the symptoms that I now know were stroke symptoms, I just thought it was just another lupus flare. I know that I didn't drive for nine months and I know that I was at the memory clinic at the Maudsley Hospital to, to try and help me to kind of process things because the first stroke was a right frontal lobe infarct which dealt with focusing, processing and emotions. I was sitting on a train and I was facing the direction the train was coming from and I wanted to face the other way but I had no idea how to do it. My cousin had sent me a text, so I texted her back and said, I'm, I don't know how to face the other way. And she broke it down into steps, like look for an empty seat. When the trainer stopped and everybody else stood up, stand up with them, walk to the seat and sit down. And when she broke it down like that, I could do it. But up until that point, I didn't know that those were the steps that were involved. We haven't chosen the hand we've dealt, but we can choose how we play the game. And that the reality is that this is your new normal. How do you start from here? Because there isn't anything that you can't do. You will only now do it differently. And it's just really embracing the fact that there are possibilities. There are still possibilities. There's still opportunities. Don't let the stroke take any more from you than it already has. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. And I'm Mark Goodyear. After stroke, damage to the brain can cause a number of cognitive difficulties, and one which is very common is memory problems. Depending on where the damage has occurred, these issues can include struggling to remember faces, shapes, locations and names, as well as difficulties in understanding language and numbers. Memory problems like this can make things incredibly difficult for a stroke survivor. It can affect their relationship with their family and friends. And we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Carol Pike from South London, who suffered her first stroke at the age of 50. Memory pre-February is sketchy. So essentially, I'm learning that I have always been a motivational speaker. I'm a marketing strategist and I do stuff around personal branding. And I've always done that. But I'm beginning to learn a little bit more about me in this kind of whole space. My brain has archived everything and only if it's relevant to the here and now and moving forward is it accessing it. If it's going to keep me stuck or focusing on the past, it quite literally isn't interested. So things like I was in hospital and my mother didn't come to see me. And it took me a while to remember that she was dead and she'd actually been dead for 24 years I have no recollection of the emotions around the time of her death and all of what that meant to me. I remember when it happened, because I had a car crash, so I remember that, and I remember bits and pieces along the journey, and now I'm sitting here, I realise that I had so many more challenges than I had admitted to myself or to other people. I have an underlying condition called lupus, and they say it was lupus related. It was a clot and the car crash, it, it kind of felt like the car crash happened so that I would go to hospital because I have the underlying condition. It's kind of a, a disease that lots of different and strange things can happen and have happened to me. So when I had the symptoms that I now know were stroke symptoms, I just thought it was just another lupus flare. 
So I ignored them. And it was only because I had the car crash, I ended up at the hospital. I was slurring my speech. I had weakness on my left side. The nurse knew that there was something wrong other than the car crash. The stroke had a physical impact on Carol, but she also experiences acute cognitive difficulties. I know that I didn't drive for nine months and I know that I was at the memory clinic at the Maudsley Hospital to, to try and help me to kind of process things because the first stroke was a right frontal lobe infarct which dealt with focusing, processing and emotions. And I discovered, and it really was a discovery, I was in an induction session with a group of people and they asked people to introduce themselves and say why they were there. And as it was going around the table, I thought, oh, I'm having this funny feeling in my chest, but I don't understand. And then it got to me and I just burst into tears. And it turned out that apparently saying my name in public was not one of my things. So actually any group situation where you had to introduce yourself or say your name, I couldn't do it. I had kind of left side challenges. So probably for about six months, I was on kind of walking stick or crutches for six months of that and then it was just kind of things like memory in terms of not understanding how to get to places or to do things and what I likened it to was that everything that we do has got a series of steps but because we do things automatically we don't recognize the steps. I recognized this when I was sitting on a train and I was facing the direction the train was coming from and I wanted to face the other way but I had no idea how to do it. My cousin had sent me a text, so I texted her back and said, I'm, I don't know how to face the other way. And she broke it down into steps, like look for an empty seat. When the trainer stopped and everybody else stood up, stand up with them, walk to the seat and sit down. And when she broke it down like that, I could do it. But up until that point, I didn't know that those were the steps that were involved. Five years later, Carol suffered a second stroke. I woke up with the worst headache I'd had in my entire life. Somebody from the church that I go to had had an aneurysm and she'd had headaches before. So I thought, oh, I wonder if this is an aneurysm. And then I did nothing about it. I went to help a friend out in her office all day on the Monday. I came home, I went to bed, spent all day in the Tuesday in bed as well, just believing that, oh, it was just a headache and it would go, but it didn't. And then someone called me on the Wednesday morning to say, I hadn't heard from you for the last two days. What's going on? And I told them about the headache and they said, OK, what time shall I call you to find out what the doctor said? And I thought, oh, I suppose I should go to the doctor. And so I went to my GP and I saw the GP that has been with me for a number of years through all of the ailments and such. And even though my blood pressure was normal, he said, we need to check this out because I know you. That was prompted me to go to the hospital and they did the CT scan and everybody started to panic because when I'd gone to the doctors, it was 4pm, my blood pressure was normal. An hour and a half later, I was in casualty and my blood pressure was 200 and something over 190 something. And over the next 12 hours, even though that they were medicating it, the blood pressure kept going up and I had a bleed on the brain. And so they then blue lighted me to King's College Hospital where I spent a little while. I came back to Lewisham Hospital and then I was there for a bit and then I came out for two weeks and then the doctor called the ambulance and I was in hospital again. That issue of being in kind of a room of people and having to introduce myself, I can do that now. So that's kind of great. I can do that. There's so many other things that are challenging. So I've still got left side weakness. In fact, the signal from my brain 
is not going through completely to my left leg. I liken it to the two of them have got dispute and I'd really love them to get in a room and sort it out because I'm in the middle and it just seems unfair. So I'm kind of working with that. My left hand is is weak also, but because of the lack of memory, I've got partial facial blindness, which interestingly started when I looked at myself in the mirror in my second hospital. I recognised the features, but I had no idea who the woman was. And for a while, I referred to her as the third person because I knew it was me because I was the only black person in the room. And I still wonder now if the nurse had been black, whether my conclusion would have been different. For a while, I kept saying... Oh, right. She is with me. Everywhere I go, she's there. And it took me a little while to reconcile the fact that the she in the mirror was me. It felt like she almost had to start life all over again. Well, what's really interesting is that because my memory isn't the same as it was, I quite literally have no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no regret. I don't know about any mistakes it is that I've made, and I still believe things are possible. I liken it to a baby who's born into an unfamiliar world that needs to understand the world and then learn how to live in it. I feel like that baby because I have no idea about irony, sarcasm, innuendo or anything like that. I quite literally don't know what that is. And I refer to myself sometimes as Carol 2.0 and there is so much that Carol 2.0 has never experienced that she's now experiencing for the first time. So every day for me is quite literally an adventure because I've never done it before until that time. And I guess one of the great things about the stroke is that I live in the here and now. So if I'm upset now, that's not going to last. I'm just going to work it through. And then when the next day or the next moment happens, then I'm living in that moment and not in the moment that's passed. So on the one hand, I have achieve this space where it is I'm not tied to the past or to my emotions so that's kind of really amazing but I'm living in a world that really doesn't understand any of that and it's really difficult to navigate it at times. I haven't really kind of heard a lot of music. I go to church so I know gospel music but other than that I've got no concept of music at all and then what's funny is I hear things and I know the words and I find oh Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Food is a whole nother conversation because my taste buds are really weird and I currently am still struggling to find stuff that I like to eat. I'm not eating very well or very often because food still feels quite complicated to me. The impact of the stroke on Carol's memory was as serious as it could get. And although she is putting together her past, she continues to look forward with hope and positivity. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Carol's ambitions for the future. I want every stroke survivor to recognise the value in the journey that they have travelled and who it is that they are right now is enough to get them moving on a course. But it's about forward thinking and forward language rather than I want to go back to something. It's I want to do something. And whether the stroke has changed her. People said that you've always been encouraging, you've always been inspiring, and you've always been one to navigate obstacles. So in relation to those characteristics, they haven't changed. The change has been that I am now aware of them. At times, Carol found herself isolated from friends and family. People said things like, they can't be the kind of friend that I need. 
they have said things like our relationship has changed and I don't know how to deal with it and so it's been a really lonely space because I'm an only child I have no children I don't have a partner my mother is dead my father lives in New York and the kind of people around me because apparently, and this has been said to me by members of organisations, I smile all the time, I inspire other people and I get up and do things. People have said to me that nobody's going to understand. When I say to people that that's a struggle for me or I find that difficult, people aren't actually listening to me. It is really hard and kind of feels quite lonely at times. But one of the things that I've kind of decided for myself is the bottom line is this is my new normal I can only get wherever it is I want to get to I can only get there from here and so therefore I have to find ways to navigate the challenges and the obstacles that I face and so the ones that I'm aware of I need to look at okay how can you address that overcome that what do you need and then where can you go to get it and recently what's happened is that there have been a couple of people from my church that have died and because I'm in that space where I've never experienced death before as Carol 2.0 it was really hard to process and what I've discovered is that when I said to people this is really hard to process their response has been everybody has challenges processing death and I I realized that people don't get it whilst it is I acknowledge that everybody has challenges I've got brain injury And that challenge now is multiplied a million times. And I'm realising that people don't understand because I don't present as though I've got a problem because we're a very visual world. And visually, you'd look at me and say, oh, you don't look like you've had a stroke. And that's probably the thing that most stroke survivors hate the most, that people say you don't look like you've had a stroke. And having survived her strokes... Carol wants to use every day she has to achieve something. So easily I could be dead, you know, and actually if if my friend hadn't intervened, I would have been because I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. I would have just stayed at home in my bed and the bleed and all of that kind of stuff. So I would be dead. So I know that the fact that I'm alive isn't just that I'm alive. I'm alive because I've got stuff to do. And so... Every day that I wake up, I wake up with the knowledge that I've got stuff to do and that I've said to myself that the only reason not to do something is because you don't want to. Don't ever say, I can't do that because I've had a stroke, because that is my reality. That's my normal. It's like me saying, I can't do that because I'm a woman. And so that's my attitude to everything. And I'm quite literally on the most amazing adventure of my life. I liken it to Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. It is the worst time of my life and it's the most amazing adventure. I'm just kind of regrouping because I do stuff around personal branding and I see personal branding as the story you tell the moment you show up or before you've uttered a single word and that begins with the story you tell yourself. And one of the things that I've discovered along this journey is that that kind of core essence that makes you uniquely you actually doesn't change because there's illness or disease. It doesn't, that doesn't change. It's still there. It's just now covered with layers of stuff. And our job is to rediscover it. And it just kind of feels like I've had this opportunity to actually rediscover me because there's so much of me that I'm discovering that I didn't really know or value before. 
And it seems as though like a lot of people in my life, they all knew, but it just seems as though I was the only person that didn't. And so that's really quite exciting. And also from the place where I want every stroke survivor to recognise the value in the journey that they have travelled and who it is that they are right now is enough to get them moving on a course. But it's about forward thinking and forward language rather than I want to go back to something. It's I want to do something because that changes everything. The moment you stop referring to it as something you want to go back to, you now are starting to look for solutions or look for strategies to help you to make that journey. So she spends a lot of her time helping others overcome their strokes. I did go to a stroke group and didn't have the best experience, but I'm not going to kind of dwell on that. I'm involved with different strokes and I'm also involved with a new charity called A Stroke of Luck. And I am their first ambassador and I'm going to be overseeing all of their ambassadors. So it's that whole thing about really giving back and actually help other stroke survivors have a better quality of life. I went to an event recently and in a room of stroke survivors and they were all asked for a word to describe their stroke experience and what's happening. And everybody talked about it in terms of debt. They talked about it in terms of anger, depression, bitterness, you know, loss of family and friends and all those kind of things. And I was the only person in the room that said adventure. And so much so that the the person that was facilitating actually said to me, so is that a positive adventure or a negative adventure? which I thought was interesting because I didn't realise that there was a negative adventure. But I was the only person that was looking at it from that place. None of the other elements that they'd mentioned, actually, apart from the loss of friends and family stuff, had featured in my life because I don't know what anger looks like or feels like. I don't know what depression looks like or feels like. And so, therefore, I don't have a frame of reference for those. People said that you've always been encouraging, you've always been inspiring, and you've always been one to navigate obstacles. So in relation to those characteristics, they haven't changed. The change has been that I am now aware of them. The real shift has been in terms of the fact, in terms of memories, in terms of kind of facial blindness and not recognising people, but also not living in my past. You know, because one of the things we've lupus as well as stroke is depression and I understand that I have been quite depressed over the years but in this space I have no idea what depression is and so therefore I'm not living in that and it is probably not necessarily that I don't have those kind of feelings or emotions it's just that I'm labeling them differently and she has big ambitions we're going to take a stroke of luck global we're going to really kind of like do some amazing things with a stroke of luck and like really heading up the ambassadors are really helping them to help themselves but also to, to make a difference in other people's lives i am developing my personal branding company and really looking at working with people to just help them to value who it is that they are and what it is that they bring to the table and somewhere along the line I want to do some stuff around coaching and mentoring for stroke survivors because it doesn't seem to be stuff that is helping them to focus on life this is our new normal we don't have to like it but this is where it is that we're at how do we start dreaming again and how do we actually start moving in the directions of our dreams given our challenges our disabilities or infirmities 
Carol believes you shouldn't let the stroke take any more away from you than it already has. First thing to a stroke survivor is the bottom line is that this is crap. The stuff that's happened, none of us would have chosen it. We haven't chosen the hand we've dealt, but we can choose how we play the game. And that the reality is that this is your new normal. How do you start from here? Because there isn't anything is that you can't do. You will only now do it differently. And it's just really embracing the fact that there are possibilities. There are still possibilities. There's still opportunities. Don't let the stroke take any more from you than it already has. Because yes, you can. A stroke is a brain injury. It's not a physical injury. It's a brain injury. And one of the manifestations is physical. So the people in your lives may not be the same people that you knew pre-stroke. Be patient and listen to what it is that they have to say because they are having challenges navigating this just as much as you're having challenges dealing with it. And that right now they need love and support. They're not looking for sympathy. They're not looking for somebody to do it for them, but somebody to just encourage them and support them and love them as they walk through life. Carol's stroke story is extraordinary. After suffering her stroke, she had to start life all over again. And despite the difficulties she's faced, she remains incredibly positive about life, her work and her future. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. Then I went to go back to the, to the bedroom. It's quite late at night by now and I just collapsed on the bed. Luckily, my wife heard me and she came up. She goes, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. And she just says, your face has dropped, you're having a stroke. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. The Stroke Association website also has plenty of resources if you'd like to find out more about stroke. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.